Hello, and welcome to Theology with an English Accent. We're now on episode 4. In the last episode, we began looking at the text of the Philippians, and we talked about how it follows a very traditional first century letter format, with the author introducing himself, identifying his recipients, and then offering a kind of greeting. Well, in today's text, we're going to see two other standard parts of first century letters, the thanksgiving and the prayer. Let's look at the text. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy, thankful for your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel thus about you all, because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defence and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruits of righteousness that come through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So Paul says that he constantly remembers the Philippians in prayer. And he says that he makes this prayer with joy. As I said at the beginning of this series, a study of Philippians is a study of joy. That word appears about 16 times. Despite the difficult situation that Paul was in at the time, this letter is saturated with joy. And so here we find that joy is found in prayer, and specifically, prayer for other people. Paul says that he's thankful for the partnership that he has with the Philippians in the gospel from the first day until now. This idea of partnership appears a couple of times in this section. He describes them as being partners in the gospel, in Christ, in grace, and even in suffering. And so here he says, I'm thankful for your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. That first day, he's talking about when the Philippian church was founded, when Paul himself founded that church back in Acts 16. And he then says, I'm sure that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. So the day of Christ Jesus he's talking about here is the second coming, basically when they, when they will meet Jesus once more. And he says that he's sure that he who began a good work in you, i.e. God, will bring it to completion on that day. And it's really interesting to see where he places his confidence. He places his confidence in God. He says he's sure that it was God who began it, and it's God who's going to continue, and it's God who's going to complete it. Now, certainly the Philippians were cooperating with this salvation and with this sanctification, but Paul places his certainty in God. And what's really interesting about this sentence is the words that Paul uses for begin and complete. These were not any words. These were technical terms that were used to describe the beginning and the completion of a sacrifice. So what Paul is describing here is that the lives of all the Philippians there are a sacrifice being offered to God, a thanksgiving offered to God. And this dovetails with Paul's thought elsewhere in his writings. 
in Romans 12, he says, Therefore, beloved, in light of God's great mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. It is then that you'll be able to discern God's will, his good and perfect will. So this idea of the Christian life, we spoke about yesterday, not yesterday, in the last episode, we spoke about the idea of the Christian's life being that of service. Well, here we see the Christian's life is also a sacrifice offered to God. Paul goes on. He says, It is right for me to feel thus about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace. So another idea of this partnership idea, that they share in the same grace that Paul uh, has received. It's worth remembering here, we're talking about the great St. Paul, but in all of this, he sees the Philippians as partners with him. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. So the defense of the gospel, that's apologetics, defending the gospel from outside attacks, and confirmation, that's building up the church, strengthening fellow Christians. He says, For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Now, this is a somewhat sanitized version for our 21st century ears, because what Paul literally says here is, For I long for you all with the bowels of Christ Jesus. The Greek word is splonkmon. And it comes from the idea that in the ancient world, they didn't just see the heart as the seat of the emotions. They saw, you know, the bowels, the upper intestines. You didn't love just someone with your own heart. You, you loved them with your upper intestines, your lungs, your heart, everything. But what he's communicating here is that he's saying, I, I, I yearn for you with the very compassion of Christ. You know, in modern Catholic parlance, you might say, you know, I, I love you with the very sacred heart of Jesus. And he goes on to say, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. Now, the Philippian church was probably Paul's favorite church. They had very few problems. They were doing really well. But even though they were doing really well, Paul wanted more for them. He says, I want your love to abound more and more. And this isn't a sappy, sentimental kind of love. This is agape. This is you know, Christian charity. He wants that to abound more and more within the Philippian community with all knowledge and discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. So he wants them to grow in knowledge and discernment, to be able to recognize good from evil, to be able to discern good from bad. And here he says, approve what is excellent. And the, the connotations that that has is of testing metal to prove that it's genuine. And he says that you may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. So again, that's the same idea. It's the coming of Jesus when they'll meet him again. But to be pure and blameless, the King James Version renders the Greek very well here. It says sincere instead of pure. And because the word sincere comes from the idea of sun-tested. Because you see, what happened in the, in the ancient world when you would make a pot, if there was a crack in it, and when you put it in the kiln and there was a crack, what you would do is you'd cover that crack with wax and then paint over it so that the crack wouldn't be visible. But if you were a discerning shopper and you were out at the market, you would sun test the pots. You'd hold them up to the sun. And if you could see light passing through, passing through the wax, you knew that there was a crack in there. You knew that there were still problems. 
Now, Paul wants the Philippians to be sun-tested. He wants them to be pure. No fault. He wants them to be whole. Filled with the fruits of righteousness which come through Jesus Christ. Because that's how, that's how that purity comes. We cooperate, uh, um, of course, but this is a grace of God. And it's to the glory and praise of God. So, that's the next section. Uh, as always, I'd like to end with a, uh, a challenge and a question. I'd like to begin with the, with the question. At the beginning of this section, we saw Paul say that he prays for all the Philippians. We'll find out a little bit later in the, in the epistle that there actually were some problems in that church. There, were, there, was, some, there was some trouble. But Paul prays for them all. So I'd ask, is there anybody that you find it very difficult to pray for? It could be in your church, it could be in your family. When I, when I, when I talk about prayer for everybody, in, in your head you think, yeah, I can pray for anybody, except him or except her. And then that leads into today's challenge. I'd invite you to spend a few minutes today thanking God for the people in your life, particularly those who have stuck by you, those who are in your church, those who share with you in ministry, but also for those for whom you find it very difficult to pray for. And I'm, saying, I'm not suggesting that you pray that God fix them, <laughs> to make them nicer, make them easier to pray for, but to ask God for the grace for, for you to be able to love them with the affection, with the bowels of Christ Jesus. So, until the next episode, in the words of Venerable Archbishop Fulton Sheen, God love you.